0: Welcome to Not Your Daughter's Witchcraft, podcast hosted by me, Lilith Amberley. If you're exploring witchcraft for something beyond the aesthetic, if some social media platforms make you cringe and say, that's not me, if you're looking to build a practice that enhances your life, then you, my friend, are in the right place. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Well, hey there, my witchy friends. Welcome to another episode of Not Your Daughter's Witchcraft. So just as a reminder, if you want to submit a question to the Witches Inn, and that's where I'm answering all of your witchcraft questions each week, go to witchlifeacademy.lilithamberly.com forward slash podcast dash questions. The link will be in the show notes. So this week, I want to dive deep into water. Two of my first episodes of this podcast were all about the elements. And in Jumpstart Your Magical Practice, which is my brand new course that was designed to help the beginner witch develop an impactful practice, the very first module is all about the elements. I talk about the elements a lot because they are such a big part of my magical practice calling in that energy of earth, air, fire, and water as I need it works really well for me most of the time. Right now, water keeps coming up a lot in my life and for some people around me. So I thought that's where I would focus today. And I'm actually recording this on Friday, May 5th. So we have a full moon in Scorpio tonight with an eclipse to go along with it. And I can tell you that this energy right now to me feels really deep really dark and really obviously watery. And this is on top of Neptune being in Pisces for quite some time and will continue to be there in quite some time. So we have water, water, and more water going on here. And I'm just wondering how that is affecting everyone out there. I can tell you for both myself and a close friend, we've just had some really strange things going on with water lately in our lives, meaning like physical water leaks, just odd things like that. And she is really deep into astrology and knows way more than I ever will about it. And as she's explaining some of these things, it really does kind of all come together a little bit. It doesn't make it better, but at least it makes a little bit more sense. So I shared a story earlier today with the Jumpstart Your Magical Practice students. And I'm going to share part of it with you because it really draws attention to this magical force of water and the fact that all water is not equal. So several years ago, I was taking a trip to Niagara Falls, and I had never been there before. So when I was planning the trip, I knew I wanted to capture some of that energy that I would find there. So I planned to take a small stone with me. I choose a piece of labradorite, and I was going to hold it up in the spray in that mist of the falls as I was out on the boat to capture that energy in the stone. And then I'd be able to use that stone to bring that kind of energy into my life whenever I needed it. So when I arrived, the first thing that we did was go out on the boat. I think it was called like made of the Mist. And it would take you out like very close to the falls into the spray of them, into the mist. And when we got close to the falls and I'm there standing in that spray, actually, you know, you're getting pretty wet. I held up the stone in the palm of my hand and I was able to capture that really, really intense energy. And I don't think until I was there, I even could comprehend what that force was like. And here's the other thing. The entire time that I was there, a really strange experience for me. It felt as my middle schooler would say a bit sus. So generally water makes me feel good. And this didn't make me feel bad, but it was definitely different. So let me explain just a little bit more. When we finished on the boat, I was standing up on top. So when you're on the boat, obviously you're at the bottom of the falls. Afterwards, I was up at the top of the falls and watching the Niagara River flow through right there where in front of where I was standing to the brink and then, of course, the drop-off. And before I say any more, you need to know I was not depressed I didn't feel down at all, a fairly positive person, I'm fairly optimistic, but I can remember standing there thinking, I know how some people could end their life here. Niagara Falls is one of the top suicide spots in the world. Many people go there with the plan to die because they've been dealing with long-term depression and things like that, but I was not feeling like that at all. I haven't, I never have. Yet this water while standing there looking at it and hearing that roar of the falls made me understand how easy it could be to just step into that water and let it carry you away. It felt almost trance-like to me, almost as if it were luring me in. And then suddenly I was like, oh my gosh, this is really intense. And my friend described it as it really being disillusioned for some people. And it really, really is because It strangely seems it would be so peaceful, yet it would be such an incredibly violent death. Yet it still has this effect on some people of just almost wanting to step into that water. And I know how that must sound. And maybe if you've been there, you understand what I mean a little bit. Because since I've been there, I've done some reading on it. And there are people that are affected like that. And then other people that aren't. So... This energy felt very different than any other water energy ever felt to me. And I'm telling you this story so that, you know, when you're working with the elements and you're trying to capture that energy, depending on where you're capturing it from, it could be very different. I've been to other waterfalls. I spend time around water. Hell, I live on a river, but water has never made me feel like that. Now, does that mean I should not have captured some of that magic in my stone? No, but I do have to really think about how I might use it in my magic. If you do use items, stone to capture elemental energy, write down what you're doing, you know, keep a note on the circumstances surrounding that energy collection. Where was it? How did you feel when you captured it? Because as you go through your practice, you end up sometimes with dozens or hundreds of stones or other items and you're never going to remember which one has exactly what intentions and energy associated with them. The other thing that I want to talk about here a little bit is the sub-elements of water. So we have the element of water, which if we recall is related to our emotions and transformation, memories, the power to dare. If you recall from one of those earlier podcast episodes. That's the power to dare because people who are very closely associated with water kind of know what's going to happen. They have really good intuition. So they're not taking risks. They know things are going to work out. So it looks like they're willing to dare. They know things are going to turn out okay. So what I want to do is just break down that water and those characteristics a little bit more because, as we said, not all water is the same. Sometimes it's different by the sheer force of the water. It could be different because of its interaction with the spirit of the place or the spirits of the land. So you have all of these variables already, and then you add in the sub elements of water. So each element has four sub elements representing each of the elements. And if we start with water, the first one that we have is water of water. And this is water in its purest form. It's the ocean. It's the rainwater. It is directly related to our emotions. Again, our intuition, psychic ability, divination, things like that. Now, if we add air to it, we have air of water. So when you think of air of water, I think of things like fog, humidity, mist, And this brings some thought and imagination into the water. It's used sometimes as we are trying to develop our psychic abilities. When we are practicing astral travel, practicing meditation, those are good times to bring this energy in. Then you have fire of water. And here's where we're talking about water that has been transformed by heat or by fire. So think of steam. And this could correspond to purification and transformation. We think of emotional healing, release, really transformative work. Finally, we have earth of water, and this represents the land or the soil interacting with the water. So think the marshlands, wetlands, mud. It corresponds with growth, nourishment, self-improvement, manifestation, all of those things. So you can see as we break the element of water down further, that water is not water. It's very different. There are differences to it. And the more that you can narrow that down, specifically what it is that you're trying to accomplish, then the likelihood of your spell succeeding will increase. So as a witch, we have access to all of the elements. And I can't emphasize enough that You should use all of the elements in your spellcraft at one point or another, because there really isn't one size fits all for most things. There are definitely some people who have an affinity to one element, maybe more than the others. And we are going to talk about that today as we talk about the water and water witchery, if you will. But again, try to keep things balanced. Incorporate the other elements as you need to into your practice. So Witches that work with water quite a bit sometimes will refer to themselves or other people will refer to them as water witches. But I believe that we all have the ability to harness that energy and that power of any of the elements to be able to work with and work into our spellcraft. But water witch is a term. It's been used for a long time. And historically, water witches were also known as dowsers. So these were people that were able to use a variety of tools and different techniques to locate water sources underground. And they usually did that with either a forked stick or a pendulum to detect that presence of water. So this technique has been used by witches, farmers, and others for centuries to find underground water in areas where the surface water is very scarce. And whatever the explanation for it, it is successful. It does work. And water witches have been sought out for this purpose throughout history. Witch that uses water often incorporates this element into many parts of their practice. They may use charms or other objects to connect with the spirit of water. They believe that the energy of water can be harnessed for healing and for other spiritual goals. If you think outside of witchcraft, how water is used spiritually It's used for baptisms. And for sure in Catholicism, holy water is used often for cleansing, blessing, and purification. When you walk into a Catholic church, there's always holy water by the entrance. So you have this little font of holy water so that you can dip your fingers in and bless yourself as you walk into the church. And you can take some of that holy water along with you and use it to bless your home and things like that. So water is definitely used in spiritual practices, specifically in cleansing type rituals, which will often use water as part of their divination practices, such as scrying. So when we think of divination, we think of that as the practice of trying to foresee events that will happen in the future or bring more depth or clarification to things that are happening right now. And sometimes we'll do that with tarot cards. Another way to do that is through scrying. It's just a different form of divination. And it generally relies on you gazing at an object to look for symbols and then those symbols to help bring spiritual messages to you. So you can do this by taking a bowl of water. and You can use your cauldron if you have one. That would be amazing. Or any kind of bowl. I would definitely use one that's dark colored black or really dark blue. Fill it with water and then either sit in a dark room or outside in a safe place at night where you can have the moon reflect on the water. If you're inside, light a candle or use one of those battery-operated ones to have some light reflecting on the water. Then you can just go ahead. You want to get into a nice, calm, meditative state, and then you're going to gaze at that bowl of water and just wait and watch for symbols or different things to appear to you. For me, this always works a little bit better around the dark moon. So I use the element of water along with the other elements in creating magic to help me manifest the things I want in life. That's primarily how I use it. I also use it to hold memory. So here's a great example of when you can use it when maybe you need to be more discreet about your spellcraft. So say you're in a situation where you can't speak your spell out loud. And if you've heard me talk about speaking our spells before. The spoken word, I believe, is very important, actually vibrating that sound out into the universe. But sometimes we're in places where we just can't do that. So say you need to do a spell somewhere where you can't speak the words out loud or at a time that you can't speak the words out loud. So what you're going to do is beforehand speak the words of your spell into a container of water make sure like the lid is off the container. You actually want to be speaking it into the water and then you can put the lid on when you're finished. And the water's going to hold on to those words in the, because it has memory for you. And then whenever you are ready to do your spell, so you're in that spot where you can't speak the words, use your water in place of them. It's already holding those words. So if you're outside, I would pour the water on the ground at the appropriate time to release those words instead of speaking them. It's also hard to talk about water and magic without talking about moon water. So moon water is water that is charged by the energies and the power of the moon. So you're going to take your container, dish, a glass, whatever you're doing it, of water, outside preferably. You can do it in a windowsill as well, but I prefer to take it outside either under a dark moon or a full moon, depending on what I want to use that water for. When I take it out, I always cover mine with a little piece of plastic wrap on the top because I just don't want bugs or other things crawling in my water that I don't know about, particularly if I plan to drink it. So I feel it's still getting that energy, but I do keep it covered with some clear plastic wrap. There are times that I will set crystals beside my moon water. Be careful with infusing crystals in water, especially if you're going to drink it. And I say that because you just don't know, number one, even if you think you have a crystal that's safe where it really came from, I can tell you for my shop, I really like those. And I have one that I purchased somewhere else. It's a glass water bottle and it has, I have, it's a smoky quartz crystal in mine. So that big crystal point sitting in it, and you can generally like change them out. And I really wanted to carry those in my witch shop. And I found some from a distributor and I was really excited. The price wasn't bad. I know how much I love these and these things are really going to sell. I was so excited about them. And I got, I guess it was about twenty to thirty of them I ordered. And this was early in my retail shop when I didn't know order that much inventory before that you can sell it. In this case, I never did sell it. I never put it in the shop because when it came in, crystals looked fine, but there was bottles weren't identified as like where they came from, who manufactured them. So it was just like this glass bottle with the crystal inside, with no identification at all. And that made me really nervous. So I contacted the distributor and I said, you know, hey, like who made these? Where did they come from? Because I need to know, are they safe to use? And they wouldn't tell me. They told me that they were kept blank so I could put my own logo on them, which I'm sure people do, but that made me extremely uncomfortable, especially I wasn't putting my name or logo on them, not knowing where they come from and then having someone be ingesting heavy metals or something in their water. So it's just a cautionary note. Just know what you're putting in. There's a lot of crystals that putting them in water isn't good for the crystal, but two, it's definitely not good for you. So it's generally not something that I do, but I will put the crystals next to it. That also helps to impart their energy into the water as I'm making it. So then you can go ahead once you have that water outside, I bring it in in the morning. It's not going to hurt if it's out there, but I don't mind sitting out all day then in the heat. So I would bring mine in in the morning and you can use it for various things. You can certainly drink it. You can use it in your bath. You can use it to clean your face, use it to water your plants, anything that you want to bring that energy into. And then finally, my favorite way of using water in my magical practice and in my life is in a bath. I love being able to soak in the tub when I need to connect with water energy and everything that brings with it. So do your research on herbs. You can put some crystals in your bath. I sometimes do that like with a clear quartz or smoky quartz or rose quartz. I feel okay putting them in my bath water, but I generally don't put others in my bath water. I like to put herbs like rose petals, lavender, things like that. But do your research on those things and find what has the energy that you want to bring into your bath. I would put my herbs in something like a muslin bag or cheesecloth to keep them from clogging up your pipes. Sometimes I'll take rose petals and I just kind of let them float on the water because I think it looks really beautiful. But then at the end, I do have to scoop them all up and try to fish them out by hand so they don't go down the drain. If you can't take a bath, you can use the shower, hang an herb bundle from the shower head so that the steam hits it. Or try doing both in a couple days time. One day take a bath and then another day take a shower and note how does the energy of the water feel different. If you can go to a safe natural water source like the ocean or a stream, see how that compares. Take your notes and really begin to spend time with water so that you begin to notice the different characteristics of it the different energy that it has depending on those factors where it came from and how you're using it so i hope that you are having a great week and that you're dealing with all this water energy in a very positive way and until next time have a very very magical couple days see ya Now, before you go, I want to make sure that we stay connected. So go ahead, join my VIP list. It's witchlifeacademy.lilithamberley.com forward slash resources. The link will be in the show notes. And I want you to join my VIP list because when you do, you're going to have access to all of my free resources, the ones that are there now and the ones that I publish in the future. You're also going to have access to any upcoming offers, programs, courses, etc. that are going to come out. So I don't want you to miss that. I want to make sure that we stay connected. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, please go ahead and give the show a rating. That's so important, especially for newer podcasts. I would really, really appreciate that. Until next time, I hope you have a most wonderful and magical day.